welcome to another installment of the Shelf Care Interview, an occasional podcast series in which booklist editors talk to authors and illustrators about books, reading, and, of course, libraries. This Shelf Care Interview is sponsored by Learner Publishing Group. I'm Sarah Hunter, editor of the Books for Youth and Graphic Novel sections at Booklist, and I'm pleased to introduce you to my guest, Stephanie B.W. Lucianovic, whose new book, Touch the Sky, goes on sale in May. Stephanie writes books in the San Francisco Bay Area, surrounded by a few kids, a few cats, and one husband. Her work includes The End of Something Wonderful, Hello Star, and The League of Picky Eaters. Thank you for being here today, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about Touch the Sky and your inspiration for it. Touch the Sky is about that very important moment in a kid's life when they finally figure out how to put their body and motion coordination together, and they learn how to pump on a swing, which means they can self-propel themselves without being constantly pushed. And my inspiration came because at the time I started writing this in 2019, my youngest son, who's now a fifth grader, was taking a little bit longer than my oldest son to get all that coordination together. And I was on the playground with him trying to teach it. And it's so difficult to teach all the parts that have to go together and flow. And I started thinking about how there are so many picture books about these kind of very important, small, but large moments in a child's life, you know, jumping off a diving board, riding a bike and staying upright. And I kind of figured that uh, with everything I'd seen, I hadn't seen this yet. And I sort of wondered, can I make this a book? Is this too strange? And I was sitting on my bed trying to write it and trying to mimic the motions of swinging, like everything you need to do when you stretch your legs out and you pull your arms back in and everything that is you know reflected in the book. But it was a it was kind of a hysterical way of working out how to describe pumping to an adult. I think swing, swinging must seem pretty mundane. It's something we probably all take for granted. But to burn the character in your story, it means so much. And I'm curious about what draws you to stories about kids finding joy or triumph in these like small everyday experiences. So I think that as an adult, I wish my life was still filled by these you know, quote unquote, smaller moments in childhood that had the ability to bring huge joy to my life when I was younger. And I think it's very important, as well as being a nice trip down memory lane, that we as adults continue to remember and celebrate these moments, either, either with our own children or with the children in our lives, or just sort of remembering that that was a big deal. Because once you learn something, it's kind of hard to go back to remembering what it was like not to know it. It almost feels like it was just always there. I also think that remembering these moments as adults connects us to our childhoods. And that connection, I truly believe, fosters empathy. Uh, right. It's also why I believe 100%, not just as a kid lit writer, that all adults should be reading Kidlet to remember what it was like at that age again. The illustrations in the book are so bright and buoyant. And I'm wondering if Chris Park is the illustrator of the book, if their artwork helped you see anything about your story in a new way. I've long stopped having sort of images in my head of how everything needs to be. Because I know that as the text-only uh, contributor, that's not my place. So I let that go a while ago. But 
I'm always, always surprised by what an illustrator does with the words I've written. So while in my head, I might have been, you know, picturing the playground near our house when I wrote this down to the wood chips that are used, Chris having it set in a park that's probably near him definitely like just gives me a different perspective. And the other thing that I only, I'm embarrassed to say, recently realized that Chris might be doing in this book, mm. I haven't confirmed it with him, is there's a superhero vibe happening from the sparkles to the way the book is designed to look almost like a comic book <laughs> with the panels to um, Gretchen wearing what look like Wonder Woman boots. And then if you look at the case cover and the end papers, the action words of swing, hop, pump, you know, all of mm -hmm. that is very like those those superhero sounds of like chow, wham, blammo. So that is something I just suddenly was like, I think that's what Chris was trying to do. What's the most gratifying thing for you about writing jokes for children? I think the most simple answer is because I'm allowed to do it. Like I get to do this for a job and I get with each book that I get signed up for, I get to keep doing it. But on a deeper level, what really gets to me is when a parent reaches out to me or sometimes a kid themselves to tell me how much something I wrote meant to their child or to them. My reaction is almost always like, I feel like I'm writing into the void, right? And so when I actually hear directly from readers or from parents of readers, I get that moment of like, oh, right, people really are reading these books. And for some of my books that might be in a little bit more of a serious topic, like my first book, which was about how to mourn a dead pet, to even hear that it met something deeper and helped them in a way but that I find kind of humbling and gratifying. And I'm, I'm so grateful when I hear from people on those, like on that level. This is a podcast that primarily librarians listen to. And it's always nice to hear um, about what role libraries have played in your reading or writing life. Well, I loved, I loved being able to go to the library my mother taking us to this very specific, I'll never forget, library that was called the Underground Library because it's a very weird modern building that in Minneapolis they sunk down below street level. And I just remember summer reading lists. And back then it was all about just measuring the books you read. You didn't really get prizes. It was just fun to have a chart and loading up on books for the summer and going through them on our various vacations, all of that. But as a as an adult, I'm embarrassed to say I actually didn't have a library card when I when I first started living in San Francisco about 20 years ago. There wasn't the libraries were they weren't far, but they were kind of like a couple of bus rides away. <laughs> but then we moved south of San Francisco to have children, and we're lucky to live literal blocks away from um, one of our branches. And one of the first things I did when we moved down here was to get a library card. And just go a lot. And even today, I'm going every day to drop off or to pick up for myself, uh, for my children. And I just really appreciate what libraries even do beyond the books. All these cool things that you can do there or classes you can attend or events 
that they put on both during the pandemic and currently events for teenagers. Like our library does Dungeons and Dragons nights. They do wine and trivia nights for adults. When the pandemic hit and everything shut down, our library very quickly got back on its feet to find a way with like a plexiglass door and a slot and mask required, of course, and appointments having to be made to make sure we could all go back and be getting our books again. Every time I walked up to um, that plexiglass window, I would get teary-eyed over what had happened and what we were going through, and also just the feeling of being so grateful that our library system was working so hard to make sure that we could get our loans again. Well, that is about all the time we have for today. So thank you again to Stephanie for joining us and special thanks to Learner Publishing Group for making this podcast possible. Hope you have something excellent to read next.